This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Cranking him out like a podcast samurai. Chopping him down right and left. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show. Glad to have you here once again. Episode 174 is on your podcast device. So glad to be talking about all these issues that matter. Want to welcome my buddy Franz Borgart to the podcast universe. He's doing his own podcast now. Good on you, brother. And I know he's going to do a good job with that. Listen, the next couple of shows will be interesting because we're talking about education, right? Our guest on this edition of the show is David Tatman, president of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board. He was elected without opposition. Actually, the election is this fall, but he was he was uh, no one ran against him. And so he's he's back in and he's currently the school board president. And we're going to talk today about what's happening with schools in East Baton Rouge Parish. But we will also have a greater discussion about what's happening with education in general. And David's been on the show before and I know he's going to have a lot to say and he is coming up next week. We are going to talk with the superintendent of schools in Caddo Parish. Now, for those of you not from Louisiana, that's where Shreveport is. Shreveport is in Caddo Parish. His name is Dr. Lamar Goree, and he is a product of that school district, an African-American superintendent there. And they are always in the news with something, and he'll be on to talk about what he's got going on there. There are some fascinating stories coming out of Shreveport, and I look forward to having him on the show to talk about that. In this episode with David Tapman, we will talk about Connie Bernard, his colleague on the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board, who recently resigned her post as vice president. I'm saying this to you early because when David and I recorded the interview, she had not yet resigned as vice president of the school board. And there's a big backstory on all of that, but I'm saving that for an episode coming pretty soon. Guarantee pretty soon. So stick there. But anyway, as we say every week, you can follow me on Facebook and on Twitter at Clay Young BR on Twitter. Obviously, you know where to find me on Facebook. When you see the posts about the show, share it, like it, tell your friends about us. And I just appreciate it and appreciate the feedback we get from so many of you. So without delay, hey, quick break. We'll come back with David Tatman here on the Clay Young Show. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick, and I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your host for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107 mobile app. Executone of Louisiana has been helping businesses in Baton Rouge save money on their telecommunications for over 40 years. Executone will help businesses upgrade their phones and intercom systems, save money, and never have to worry about local customer support. Doctors' offices, hospitals, schools, businesses, it doesn't matter. All kind have depended on the good people at Executone to upgrade technology and save money. I have a question for you. Do you like saving money? Sure, of course you do. Here's another one. Do you want to keep the most up-to-date phone 
phoning in a cab technology while saving money. That's what it's all about. That's a no-brainer. Don't get sucked in by out-of-town companies who are not here if you need technical support. Executone has been here, and they believe in the value of customer service, baby. Don't take my word for it. Give them a call, 225-295-3500. That's 295-3500. Oh, look them up. ExecutoneLA.com. Executone of Louisiana. They still here, and they're going to continue to give you great service. Back with David Tatman, who is the president of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board and also the proprietor of the Tatman Group. And David has been on the show. This is your second or third time? It's the second time. Second time. And we are, as you know, in the beginning of the school year. School started only a few days ago, and this year has already gotten off to, well, let's just say an interesting start. Um, Before we get to anything else, I want to get this out of the way. Obviously, one of your colleagues on the board is in the news, Connie Bernard. And there is, I guess, still story left to be told and and whatever that is. What can you say to us about that? Because I have to ask you about it. Yeah, sure. And, and, uh, well, first off, thanks for having me back. You got it, I guess I did okay the first time. You did. It's like hosting Saturday Night Live the second time. (laughs) By the way, before you answer, I mean, I did get good feedback from people who, who, and it's interesting how many people don't know the ins and outs of some of the policy with the school system who would otherwise be interested sure but it, it isn't always available and i guess in a conversational form you know there were actually people who said they liked you and i had to go back and listen yeah. to the show again myself to be certain i that might have to do I'd, that too <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so back to the yeah. original question yeah. not not an avoidance obviously there's a it's a you know at this point it's a legal issue yes uh and uh you know uh, it, i think it's important for uh that to run its course i think you you know, we'll see developments uh, with it regardless of how it moves forward uh, over the next couple of weeks and, yeah. and months. And, um, you know, it's an unfortunate situation. Yep. And um, what we're trying to do, uh, Clay, is to focus on uh, what our job is, and mm-hmm. that is to provide, uh, you know, uh, quality educational opportunities for mm-hmm. our children, our family, and our community. And so that's what we're going to focus on, and we're, we're going to try to work to not be distracted. By and, but because this, this casts a cloud over all of the work that you're doing, and obviously it's a legal issue. Obviously it doesn't directly even involve you or the other members of the board, but this will be a story that hangs over, especially in an era where people enjoy being heard at these board meetings, which by the way, the board meetings are televised. So the ingredients are there for you as board president to really have to be kind of the traffic cop and the circus wrangler and all of this stuff. Do you think on a scale of one to 10, 10 being absolutely uh, destructive to what you want to do how where would you rank this this thing hanging over you with all of what's ahead that we're getting ready to get into well you know let me let me uh, sort of uh, uh, give a little bit of landscape on that I think we have a very strong board right mm-hmm. now and so I think it is a distraction yeah but I think our board is very focused on our work yeah. um, and the other thing is I think we're working very well together in yeah. fact in my eight years on the board I think this is the most collaborative we've ever been. Okay. And so I would say, you know, if I were going to go one to 10, I'd say five, but I think a lot of that goes to the strength of our board yeah. and the fact that we're focused on very important things that are before us. I referenced a second ago, all that is ahead of you. Obviously we are in the election cycle. You 
regained your seat or it will be official that you will regain your seat because you did not have opposition. Yes, sir. And you and two other board members, ironically, the one of the board members we just referenced, the, the one who's, who got into this kerfuffle a, a few weeks ago and um, Mark, Ballou. Mar- Mark Ballou, his name, Mark's name was escaping sure. me. But the election is going on right now, and I think school board elections often allow for a healthy discussion about where we are in education. So let's you and I start right there with, as it relates to the school district. Where are we? Yeah. I, obviously, uh, I, we always need to do more, and mm-hmm. we need to do better. Um, I would say that uh, there are some areas that we're doing really well in. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some gains in our test scores. We had incredible gains in mm-hmm. our AP and dual enrollment. I mean, uh, I think we were first in the state. Uh, we are performing at a higher level than the rest of the state, but it's still not good enough, sure. right? And so at that level, with advanced placement, uh, uh, dual enrollment, we're doing great. Where mm-hmm. we struggle is is where most urban districts struggle, and that is... Uh, in our high poverty areas yeah. uh, and in those areas where, frankly, we have larger challenges than just educating kids, mm-hmm. getting them in there ready to learn. And so the work that we're doing with the ESSA plan, I think, is going to make a big difference. Every Student Succeeds C-Zac. Act. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry about that, the acronym. And obviously that's... Well, a, we do that because we're you know sure. in the weeds about a lot of sure. this stuff, but I always like to make certain that everybody in the room yeah. knows what we're talking about. Well, and I about. think that's good to give background. Obviously, obviously this is federal dollars that yeah. uh, flow down to the state, and then mm-hmm. the state has as an option of how they distribute that money. So they've done it uh, in combination with actually some other programs mm-hmm. through a grant process. Mm-hmm. We applied for a grant. I think we were granted about about half of what we applied for. Yeah. Uh, and it really is about a few things. Uh, one of the things that I think is incredible for the entire district is that we were able to purchase and implement a tier one curriculum for our entire district. Now, mm-hmm. we'll be phased in over time, yeah. but there are parts of our district that are actually operating under that right now. Uh, it's harder than you think. You have to train teachers on how to teach that curriculum, mm-hmm. but it provides pretty incredible opportunities for us. Before we were in a tier three curriculum, yeah. I think this gives our kids, particularly in the middle and the upper ends, a, a big advantage in terms of how they are going to perform academically and then how are they going to compete in a global economy. The other part of the ESSA grant or other parts of the ESSA grant is that specific work that we do in those difficult to serve schools. Yeah. Um, and, and, and actually, I will tell you, and you know, may disagree with a few of my colleagues on this, but the ESSA grant structure was specific to saying that if you were granted this money, these funds, that you had to use outside contractors to do it, outside mm-hmm. contractors with a proven record to come in and provide those services. Define outside. Um, you know, contractors who, who uh, you know, people they, who did not work for the district, did not work okay. for the district. Okay. So, uh, so we, you know, the, the state had a list of approved providers. Yeah. Uh, we actually had the opportunity to interview those providers. Sure. We picked them. And, and what I think this does is allow us an opportunity to see what we're doing internally that's working. Yeah. And then what kind of impact can they have yeah. from an external standpoint? And then what we can maybe do is perhaps find a model that works better. It might okay. be more external. It might be a hybrid approach. Approach. Yeah, uh, and then that there's some different disciplines that they're using and bringing in, and so I think this is probably one of the more significant things that we've done to really address the challenges in our low-performing schools. I would also tell you, though, there was some other work that our superintendent has done that I think is pretty critical. Mm-hmm. We, we've replaced 16 school leaders, 16 principals okay. in our district, and why that because we felt like 
the leader, I say we, you know, it's the superintendent's sure, job sure. to pick them. But he feels like, and, and I know my board feels like, yeah. and we know that if you put a strong leader in a school, good yeah. things happen. Yeah. You give me a great school leader yeah. and let them put their team together and yeah. they're going to be successful. And I can show you inner city schools that have strong leaders that are very successful. So right. the idea is that we weren't getting to where we needed to get to with mm-hmm. the leaders that were there. They were all good people yeah. and they may have moved into other roles in uh, the district, but we are holding ourselves accountable for that. So we're making that school leadership change and going in where, and, and there needs to be more. There are other schools. H- however, I, I think you and I have discussed this before, um, the, the, uh, the bench uh, for potential leaders uh, is, is light right now. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, why it, though? Well, you know, I think a lot of reasons, I think, um, you know, uh, I guess when I was a kid, everybody wanted to be a school teacher, you yeah. know, and now it's not the case. I no. mean, we're, 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 we have school teacher shortages. Yeah. Um, you know, the pay is not great uh, right. for a school teacher, although if you look at it from a benefit standpoint and a retirement standpoint, it's a pretty uh, good profession right. to be in. Right. As you know, my wife is an educator, mm-hmm. 33 years, yep. and uh, in love. You know, she did it as a vocation, mm-hmm. uh, but clearly the money matters. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, we, we this year when we went out and looked for school leaders, we didn't just look internally. We went out and uh, recruited, if okay. you will, yeah. and uh, got, uh, were able to pick up some uh, principals from surrounding parishes. Mm-hmm. In fact, we reached out uh, in the New Orleans direction, not New Orleans, but in that direction. Sure. And we've picked up uh, w- what I believe to be some really good quality leaders with a proven track record of success, and we've turned them loose. And uh, we, we have high expectations, and uh, we have high hopes for the work that they're going to do. You referenced ESSA and, and, and talked about parts of ESSA. And I'd like to deal with the grading system that we use for schools. And I find it so interesting because not only is it a barometer of how the schools may be doing, it has unfortunately created a brand for the district and the schools in the district that you're having a hard time scrubbing off. I mean, on and, and, and one hand, you're telling people we are trying to improve, and and this is letting you know where we are. And on the other hand, you're saying it's not working. Yeah. You, how do you reconcile the the craziness of how people look at the system? Because everybody says, oh, all the schools are Fs. You didn't tell me this was going to be a three-hour podcast. <laughs> uh, so the answer to that is there are a lot of. Um, there are a lot of challenges with that. And I, I would just share with you, you know, when you put together a magnet program yeah. or you put together a magnet school, yeah. you're going to draw kids out of a school into a magnet program. And, and, and what you're going to have left is those kids who are not at that level, but still really good. You still have great students mm-hmm. in there. You know, when they when people talk about failing schools, you know, schools don't fail. You know, we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to be able to do is 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 help that 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 last child. Mm-hmm. Uh, achieve. And and one of the challenges, as you know, is we have, uh, you know, if a student comes to us ready to learn, you know, has a decent grasp of Mm -hmm. the alphabet, a a decent vocabulary set, uh, they're going to they're going to be fine. It's when they get caught up and they're behind. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge is we have a lot of kids coming to us and they just have a very few uh, skill sets. So let's deal with that. And, and we're not changing subjects here, but this this is at the crux of what I mean with the grading system. So there are a great number of external factors that contribute to the condition a child is in when he or she gets to the school building. And for me, 
I think that deserves consideration. There are children coming from broken homes. There are children coming from abusive homes. There are children who are coming from uh, homes that don't have the same structure because of cultural or economic reasons or whatever the case may be. And I don't particularly think it's helpful to stigmatize these children because my children coming out of my house and and the the demands and the and and structure and all the things that we try to do versus a child who doesn't have that it's unfair to have the same expectation of this child not in terms of doing the work you got to do the work but you, you can't not look at what's coming to you before you have to deal with it first is that a fair observation and and two what do we do to reconcile those two realities so so it is absolutely a fair observation and much easier for you to say than for me to say sure sure because you know my job is to uh, provide opportunities for all children that's regardless right. of how they come that's right. to us you know yeah I mean you, you know look my wife 33 years in the classroom she's some stories that, sure you know I mean you have you'll have four generations living in the same house absolutely you know, people talk about what about the parents they may be living with a grandparent and aunt uh you know they may be living with a family friend right and uh and so there's that reality there's also the reality that you know uh the fact of the matter is is I always tell the story when my daughter was in seventh grade, she asked me to help her with her math homework. I have a bachelor's degree. I couldn't help her. Right. right? I couldn't do seventh grade <laughs> right. math. And I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being, uh, you know, I'm being honest. I couldn't No, it's do the it. truth. I mean, sitting down, I, I, I totally get where you're coming from, is that the, the, the way kids are taught in the education, it evolves over time and it passes us by. Right. And so I, my, my point of that is, is you have some grandmothers who are raising uh, their, you know, grandchildren and they can't read or write. Sure. And so we've got, you know, part of what we have to be able to do uh, is to try to break that, that cycle of right. poverty and of lack of education. Right. Some people call it something different. I'll just say lack of education mm-hmm. and we need to find ways to reach those children why don't we though but that's the question that i have is why we know it's there look i know how much you care about kids in the school system kids of all colors and i mean you'll go anywhere to talk to that's people right. i mean we've been friends a while but i think we we put our head our heads in the ground and i'm not saying that you shouldn't challenge these kids to learn because they should have to come and learn and i believe they can learn but when you don't take into account their reality it's unfair to have the same expectation Agreed. that they're going to be able to produce at the same pace as a kid in, in better circumstances. And one example of that, and I think you've been heavily involved in this, is the fact is is that people in that particular situation tend to put kids, their children, or their uh, the people that they're a guardian of in school when they have to, right. when the state requires right. them to. And so to me, early childhood education is the key. Right. That's because right. at that point, you really are not as structured. You're mm-hmm. working with them. And you know, it's not that difficult to teach kids colors sure, and shapes. Absolutely. And, and they want to learn. Early on, it, it, they're the most enthusiastic That's about. Right. And, and here's the thing. If you are not meant to teach, or if you are neglectful in the early education years of a child's life, you are creating a problem that they're going to spend the rest of their life trying to overcome. No doubt. And the biggest issue is where we lose kids is when they get too far behind. Yep. And and whether that's in the early grades yep. uh, or whether we start losing them when they get into high school. Yep. And that is, to me, with the cohort graduation rates, mm-hmm. that is uh, one of the biggest things that we can do. But I, I would tell you that it, what I would like to see, uh, because we are providing services right now, early childhood 
childhood services and pre-K. We mm -hmm. would need about $29 million more each year to be able to provide that opportunity for everybody who mm -hmm. wants it. And then let's also uh, share that right now when you want uh, uh, pre-K, mm -hmm. uh, it's need-based with regard to state funding. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the reality of it is, is if you have the resources, you're putting your kids in pre-K, or if you can get some of that state funding, you're putting the kids in there. There are a lot of people who don't who don't put their kids or their the people that they are guardian of until they have to. Mm -hmm. And to me, what I think we ought to do as a state is make a commitment to education and say we're going to fund uh, pre-K, universal pre-K, mm -hmm. uh, and put some pressure on us to make sure we're providing that in a quality right. way. There is another aspect of this that I would like to see, and that ha deals with the Head Start program. Okay. I don't think we do a good enough job in East Baton Rouge Parish. It's not a criticism of anyone, sure. but right now I, the, uh, the Head Start program goes through the mayor's office. Right. I would like to see a coordination of those delivery of services uh, through the school system in a, a more collaborative effort as we move forward. And are we working on the same dynamics? Are we working on the same, you wouldn't call it a curriculum, but the same structure yeah. so that there's some uh, commonality and some consistency of what we're getting in schools? It's a simplistic question. Are y'all talking about these kind of issues as a board? I, you are talking. Yes, about. absolutely. I was shaking my head. I forgot yeah. I was on a podcast, yeah. but it was a television Jeez, show. Come on, David, uh, work yeah. with me here. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's been a lot of ongoing conversations. Uh, it's been a big, uh, uh, a big press from from me mm -hmm. um, when we did the strategic plan six years ago. Which, by the way. Uh, you know, I don't know who the president will be next year. If I'm president of the new board, I will immediately move into a strategic planning process because we're in dire need of that. Yeah. One of the elements of that was early childhood education. Uh, I was disappointed at the lack of interest uh, from the community broadly. And <laughs> in fact, oh, uh, it was crazy because, it, you know, if it was facilities, there were 50 people at the meeting. I I, I was chairman of the overall effort, yeah. but I, I went to the I did the early childhood piece because no one else wanted to and we'd have four or five people at maybe you meetings. should have done it at, after where the Breck meeting about the zoo was taking well place. it could have that's exactly right it could yeah. have been a good opportunity a house. but yeah I, and we're we're actually uh kind of diving into that a little bit. We're yeah. looking into, uh, we, I told you we we thought that the cost would be $29 million. Um, there is funding from the state. It's need-based. Mm -hmm. we, we would have to provide additional funding, and we would also have to uh, take a look at our facilities because we don't have pre-K facilities at every single school. We have some pre-K centers. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some opportunities in the next couple of years under the new tax plan that this community supported overwhelmingly. Uh, to, to There are some flex projects that we could, uh, you know, a Broadmoor Middle, for example, uh -huh. could become, uh, you know, a, uh, a pre-K center, and, and therefore we could double our capacity. But, but our estimate of what that capacity is, is we would need to serve, uh, we would need to be able to serve another 1,200 children. How much of a re-education of what you are doing and what the system is must the system undertake over the next few years, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. I referenced uh, the brand a minute ago. There are people who believe that upper middle class or affluent people, white or black, don't really consider the East Baton Rouge Parish school system because it's not good enough. There are, um, and, and then there's some, there's some uglier stigmas sure. that are out there about the system too that I'm sure I don't need to explain to people, but... I think, first of all, 
narrow-minded, to be honest with you. At the same time, though, there is something to be said about the product that has existed and that that product haven't, has ha- it hasn't, hasn't been good. And people who do have the resources say, I'm going to get something better for my kid. Yeah. I mean, what about all that? Well, so I, I, let me just share with you. Um, and there are a lot of schools, and I, I'm going to mention a few because we don't have that that much time. But I'll give you an example. You know, let's go visit Lehigh. Let's take mm-hmm. a look at that school because I, I, there's not a week that goes by that I don't get a call from somebody that's in a private school right now uh, that wants to go to Baton Rouge High, mm-hmm. right? That's where they want to go. And so I yeah, say, but that's the Waldorf well, story of, you know, of, of you know, come on. I'm going to suggest to you that that you know, if my child was of high school age, I'd look at Lehigh hard, and okay. I'll t- I can sort of explain why, but. Um, uh, you know, I, they, I say, have you heard of Lehigh? And they say, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard about it. I said, why don't you take a tour? I think you'll be thoroughly impressed. And when they do, their kids go there and it's, it's unanimous. Everyone that I have referred to that school that has gotten in. That's one. You got 42 schools. Required. Yeah. Oh, no, we've got 84 Excuse schools. Excuse me. 84, 84 schools. schools. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, no, I mean, look. 4,000 children. Right. About uh, so, over so, 80 schools. So sure. You know, yeah. I picked Lehigh because yeah. I have some personal experience yeah. with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at some of the schools that are out there. Obviously, Baton Rouge High is hard to get into. It's more yeah. of a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a long shot. Yep. But look at schools. Look at what we're doing with Mayfair Lab with yeah. uh, LSU and the collaboration that's gone there. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, look at the CTEC opportunities that are out there. I mean, I, I, I'm bragging on some of the things we do because most people only talk about the negative part. Well, that's all it. that's out there, right. though. That, that's the point I'm making. Michael Victorian, uh, and, and we, you, we were in a meeting about the convocation yes. uh, at, up at Southern, and I was out of town when, when that happened, and he was telling a story about some kids at, oh at Scotlandville Middle Magnet, I believe, yeah. who had who developed a, a prosthesis for the principal in the school. Yes. And they showed it on the video. And the everybody in the room, because I didn't get to make it there, was like, what? Never heard this. Didn't yeah. read it in the paper. Didn't see that's a national news story. It really is, and I, I appreciate him bringing that up. I, I would, I'd be honest with you, because that's how I am. I, I did not know that story either, and I, I was almost moved to tears. Right. They, they, these kids, because yeah. that's what they are. They're yeah. kids. They created it's a middle this, school. Yeah, pro, the uh, principal was born uh, with uh, not the use she, uh, you know, with one hand, mm-hmm. and so they created this prosthesis that works. I mean, in a in a middle school. So yeah, it was a great story. Let me just tell you, one of our biggest failures is we do not communicate our successes no well. and there are more successes you don't communicate like them at all not well, just well, not well they're, we, they, they're not out there yeah so we've we've actually believe it or not we do better than we did eight years ago when i came in that's uh, unfortunate but, uh, it is yeah uh but we've had some transition in that office i yeah. do think we have a strong team there sure. with gwen shamlin now and with taylor uh um gast mm-hmm. uh former halsey and uh but the reality of it is is we need to do a better job of communicating that when when i was at lehigh the other day I keep picking on it because I end up there a lot I'm invited Mm -hmm. there a lot and uh, they had uh, the guy who was the head of NASA's uh, mission control and that room was packed with kids and their eyes were as big as saucers see that's that's a news story and uh, and you know the local you know media came out and they covered it but we're not promoting ourselves Mm -hmm. enough I also want to I think it's important for me to say that I think that the 
that they're the only reason people choose private schools is not because public schools aren't an option. There are people who, uh, you know how this is, they send kids to, they send their kids to the school they went to, right? Sure. That legacy piece, yeah. or they're very involved, they're very uh, devout in their, uh, you know, faith, and so yeah. maybe they're Episcopalian, maybe mm-hmm. they're Catholic, mm-hmm. maybe they're Baptist, mm-hmm. right? And they want to do that. There are people, though, sure. no doubt about it, that, that say that we don't have uh, good enough options. I have a great story about someone who called me the other day uh, who was moving to Baton Rouge and was concerned about where their child was going to go to school. They lived right by Parkview Elementary, Blue Ribbon School, one of the best schools in the country, not just in Baton Rouge or Louisiana. And then um, if they didn't test into that school, their backup was Cedar Crest Southmore, which is a B school, right? Mm -hmm. If we're going to use grades. And think about Cedar Crest Southmore being a B school when a third of their population is uh, English as a second language, right? Mm. They have a lot of Hispanic students yeah. there. That is a, if you've never, it is a great school with yeah. great leadership. Ms. Yeah. Batiste for so many years has done a great job. And we have a new principal there because Ms. Batiste had the opportunity to retire and sure. move on. And Ms. Sylvain is over there. We picked her up from St. John Parish via uh, Point Capi Parish. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're doing, uh, the, the reality is there's lots of good schools out there. You but know, what every, about the F schools? Yeah, the F schools. So that's the thing, David. I mean, that's, yes, that's, there are good schools. And, and again, it's, Going back to the grade system, and I always tell people that I I would like the whole picture of why a school is an F school. And I think without that context, it's unfair to say just a failing school. And I'm not making excuses, but the context matters. But you still have a bunch of schools that fail and that consistently fail. And while you answer that, let me throw this out ominously so, and I'm an optimist, I'm not pessimistic. Some of these socioeconomic realities in some of the communities where those schools are make it even more difficult that that school will ever be higher than a C. And that isn't because the kids can't learn or that there aren't kids in the school trying to learn. I just think you can't ignore all that and then say you're a failing school. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, so a lot of the changes we made in leadership are in some of those schools. Not all of them, but in some of those schools. In addition to that, we've put some more resources in there. And then all of those schools were either a part of the Every Student Succeeds grant or they were a part of a federal grant that we received bringing some magnet programs mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. those schools. And so we're working on it. I mean, yeah. I, you know, what I would tell you, Clay, I don't want to make an excuse. Those are those things weigh on me at night. Uh, well, they weigh on me all day, mm-hmm. but they weigh on me when when those quiet times come, which I have very few. Thinking about the uh, kids. Thinking about those kids, yeah. And, and the reality of it is, is we have to do a better job. It's unfortunate. If you look around America, uh, there are tremendous challenges in urban districts. Right. And we've got to overcome that because right. I feel like we're responsible for more than just education. We're Absolutely. responsible for the crime rate. Absolutely. We're responsible for jobs. Yeah. We're responsible for uh, you know economic development. I'll give you an example. Our CTEC school is phenomenal. It can only handle 300 kids a year. Wow. If we could handle 3,000 kids a year, then we would be where we need to be. Now, it's an experiment to see if we can make that project work, mm-hmm. but it's already working because we're already full. Yeah. And so we've got to find that. Now, Stroom is going to have some components of that. And mm-hmm. Stroom, you know, there's another great, bright uh, uh, star in our district. No the, doubt about the, it. It's up 88% from no over last it. year. Yes, and, sir. and not only that, but look at the engagement. You got yeah. you got uh, Republican Woody Jenkins on one side, yeah. and you got Dr. Jackie Mims on the yeah. other side, standing side by side. That's what Baton Rouge him. needs. That's exactly right. And they are both champions and troopers and close personal friends. What a great example I couldn't, couldn't have said it any better, diametrically opposed on nearly everything 
in politics, but when it comes to helping kids, that is an example of people saying, let's just get it done. And, and that is the kind of collaboration that we're going to have to make our schools successful. That, that's, that's a perfect one. So you referenced the cost for everything, and this is what, what has always frustrated me about that. We're, the school system's having deficit discussions now. The system has a nearly half a billion dollar operating budget, 450 some odd million dollars. And if you add in some of the federal money, it's around 600 plus right. million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> that, is also, that is so much money to be having to listen to somebody saying, man, we can't pay the bills yeah. this month. Help me understand that, yeah. man. Well, since we've come in, you know, since I came in eight years ago, yeah. and uh, since we've come in, we've made, we've cut a lot. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we're, we're so to the bone now, and I'm going to try to explain the best sure. that I can sure. in a half a billion dollar operation. Uh, uh, we, we, we've cut a lot. But in this last budget cycle, we basically said, you know, people said, we need to do this, we need to do that. We said, tell us where you want to cut. So tell us if you want to do this, because now we're at the point where we've cut so much that... When we cut in one place, it's very specific where mm-hmm. we're cutting. So we're going to cut, you know, uh, a, 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 voc, a voc program, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a jobs program, sure. a technical training program for pre-K, which is probably maybe okay unless you're in that voc program or you're in that pre-K program. Mm-hmm. Let, let me tell you what uh, – I'm going to say a couple of things. I'm not going to make any excuses, but I'm going to tell you that you take the, the Glen Oaks – because uh, of the flood mm-hmm. and because of the way we were reimbursed, sure. uh, the Glen Oaks piece was eight million dollars, right? The, um, the because of the flood, we uh, took a hit from the MFP because we were classified as a rich district because sales taxes were up from the rebuilding from the flood. Where we hit ten million dollars, and then if you take uh, unfreezing the salary steps yeah. of the employees, which I think had been frozen for six years, yeah. most of my term on the board, uh, that's twenty-two million. That was our deficit, and so the point is is that what do you do do you not rebuild glen oaks do you close it do you, you we couldn't do anything about the mfp piece sure. um so here's what we're doing moving forward um we are uh we have met with six and by the way the for people who don't know the mfp is the is the um the the, the funding mechanism used to determine how much money per child uh, a school district gets. Sure. So you pay your state taxes yeah. and it yeah. comes back yeah. uh, constitutionally to the district sure. so that your tax dollars are at work. And it's that. called, yeah, no, it's yeah. good. The It's called the minimum foundation program. Yeah. And there's a formula that goes right. out about, and you're, you're, you're actually, uh, you know, punished or, yeah. or you benefit from certain provisions. Sure. And sure. so if you have a higher than usual sales tax collections, you actually take a hit. Mm-hmm. In fact, the more taxes you pay locally, the less you get from the state, which is seems counterintuitive to me, yeah. but uh, that's okay. You know, we're going to work with what we have. But we've met with six different firms uh, to have them come in and do some evaluations of our operations. Mm. We are now at the point where what we're looking at, in addition to cuts, yeah. is efficiencies, uh, economies of scale, yeah. uh, duplication of uh, services or right. lack of services. Right. So we're working on it. Because, you know? I mean, it's hard to... Do, 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 it's, it's like you're pulling up in your Rolls Royce and complaining because, you, you know, you, you, you ran out of, uh, of, of tartar sauce at the house. It's like, you know, and, and again, I'm not saying the school system is a Rolls. I'm just saying that's a lot of cash. It is a lot of cash. To, to, to have money issues. So, you know, the state always talks about what they have from dedicated funds and yeah. non-dedicated funds and that when they're actually looking at their $26 billion budget, it actually winds up being about $6 billion. Right. I don't have that number for the, uh, the East Baton Rouge School right. Board, you, yeah, yeah. But, but I would I would tell you this, a lot of it's 
uh, uh, dictated by federal and state law. No question. And so, for example, 70% of the of the funding has to go to uh, instruction, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're at 72, so we meet that requirement. But that's what we would want. That's Did you exactly want the money in the classroom? To us, it's about a more effective distribution of that yeah. and making sure we're effective in the classroom. Yeah. But look, let me just say this, and this is not a fun thing, but uh, as we get into the budgeting process, which we have already started for mm-hmm. next year, mm-hmm. uh, based on how things look from an income perspective and from a spending perspective, we may have to do a ref, a reduction in force, which would mean big cuts in staff. And what we try to do... You can't do that through attrition? You can do it through attrition, but you can't get to where you need to get through. Because here's the deal, Clay. You, you know, we want... Uh, uh, there are no bad teachers. There are just ones that are better. That's the way I'm going to say it. Uh, the reality no, there's some of it bad is, teachers out yeah, there. So, uh, no, you can't well, say that. But no, but I, I think I, I think the overwhelming majority of people who teach are wonderful because they choose to do that and that they, they are good. I love watching teachers work when they're passionate. It's just, there's just nothing better. Right. Having said that, there's some folks who probably should have gone into another line yeah. of work. So some of that attrition, you may lose some of your more experienced and yeah. better teachers. Yeah. And so with a RIF, you're op- you're able to actually go in yep. and be more specific about what you do. Now, I'm not saying we're doing that, sure. but we're going to have to look hard at it. If we do a RIF, we'll, we'll be balanced. Uh, and frankly, this company that we're looking at that was the bright and shining star of the six mm-hmm. looks like that they can come in and over time help us create some efficiencies in okay. the system. So. So in the, over the next four years, now think about this, over the next four years, the entire reality as we know it in Baton Rouge will be changing or have changed by the time this term you're about to start is over. Taking Backing out and taking a, a larger look, the specter of St. George looms so large, and even if it makes it to the ballot next year, chances are the city of Baton Rouge is going to try to tie it up in lawsuits for a while. So that could take a couple years. But I think by the time you get to your term, that reality may just happen because there's precedent for it. That's one. Number two, Warren Drake's contract is up in 2020 and he may or may not return. If he chooses not to return, you are going to be choosing another superintendent. And Des Moines Rutledge is resigning or he's 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 leaving the school system so you're going to be choosing an, a legal counsel now i want to drill down on those specifically but just overall the big picture of just those things and we still don't know what else is going to pop sure. up Man, that's that's a lot. It is a lot. And then you take in the fact that this board is going to reapportion uh, in terms of there you setting go. up the district. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. We're going to do attendance lines uh, over oh, the next year or so. I'm working my way around to yeah. that. Don't you worry. We talked uh, about okay. it at BRAC earlier yeah. this week. I uh, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I think we need a strategic plan because yeah. we need to not be reactive. We right. need to operate with vision. Right. I'm going to push hard for that. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, if you want to pick right up on it, I'll tell you, uh, you know, we're going to lose a lot uh, in losing Des Moines Rutledge. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and so I'll just jump right into that. Okay. I mean, Des Moines is a good lawyer. Uh, he is a uh, he understands the law very well. He's probably a better man. Uh, and he has an opportunity to go do something that's life changing for sure. him. And we're all very supportive of that. But we're going to miss him. I don't think he's replaceable. I think we're going to have to find somebody that can do the best job uh, in that gap. But but the, the general counsel of the East Baton Rouge Parish School District is a very important job. I'm sure you're getting a bunch of. We are. Resumes and people coming sure. out of the woodworks I've, I've crawling said, out of holes yeah. and everything. I've become a very popular guy. <laughs> uh, people, and so is the Dang, board. is that uh, what it takes? Yeah, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to take a unique 
skill set. It's going to take somebody who uh, understands the law, is a, is a good attorney, yeah. uh, but also uh, understands our particular law and how it works. And then the, the individual personalities on our board, you know how that is, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that, uh, it, uh, you know, I don't know who that person's going to be. Uh, you know, there was, And the board hires this person? The board hires this person. They work for the board, but in essence, they're assigned to sure. the superintendent, That's right? right? Um, but, you know, how do, that's a very also delicate balance, right? Right. Because, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, moving, you know, to, to Warren, to, to Warren, uh, even if Warren were to. Uh, and look, I, I, Warren is a great guy, loves this district, loves yep. his work. Yep. He'll be 70 years old when his uh, contract is up mm-hmm. at some point, you know. Wants to go live his life. Yeah, Clay. I'm at seventy. I'm hoping I'm retired somewhere, Uh, maybe Costa Rica. (laughs) Float on a boat, right? (laughs) Uh, But uh, but the reality of it is, is that you can't blame a guy. But even if we renewed his contract, he'd still end his term in our uh, next no question term. no question and so yeah it's a big deal and and as you know because you've been around a while uh, this will be my it would be my third superintendent Man. search or uh, yeah. acquisition uh, and so it's in gonna, like six years yeah that's right I came in on Dilworth we yeah. moved to Bernard Taylor uh, and then of course we uh, are now with Warren Drake who is just an excellent yeah. uh, leader and a really good guy and I think uh, has the sort of gravitas in this community that again we won't replace right there is yeah. no person that I know uh, that could come in and, and have the respect. I mean, think about it. You saw the press release about Des Moines. He taught Des Moines Rutledge in school. Right. That's a big, wow. I mean, that's that's a sort of uh, investment think in the community. That. That's just, uh, yeah, because I think Des Moines old. Uh, <laughs> and so, but I think, uh, but Drake seems young, you know. I hope Des Moines listening. I uh, hope so too. <laughs> I'll make a, make it a point that he catches the show at that point. Uh, but uh, but I, I will tell you that, you know, that's a, a you know, it's a decision the board is going to have to make. And I hope what we do is collaborative and what's best for children and their families. Yep. I do think we'll have a lot of interest in it because of a few things. One is, I think that the superintendent. Interest in, you're talking superintendent. superintendent. Yeah. yeah, we'll have interest in both of them. But in the superintendent, because I do think that our district is a more attractive place to be than it was, say, eight years ago. I agree with that. And, uh, and I think we have a board that at least right now, I don't know how the new ele- the election would mm-hmm. uh, go moving forward that works collaboratively. And that's what a superintendent wants, right? right? Wants someone that the board sets the policy and then they go out and implement mm-hmm. that policy and have enough rope to sort of hang themselves, if right. you will, right. and that they're not micromanaged. So those are two, to me, really uh, uh, big things that this next board uh, will be faced with that I think, um, you know, I don't, and, and, and by the way, we'll have some people who have been through it and yeah. we'll have, uh, you know, Dawn and Mike uh, and Mark have not been through mm-hmm. it. And so you're, if you have three or four new people come in, which is possible, right. uh, they haven't been through it. And so it's, you know, it's going to take old hats like us, mm-hmm. which at eight years doesn't seem like an old hat, right? Yeah. But what, when, like you say, when you've been through this three times or right. this will be the third time, it kind of is. Sure. Let me ask you, and, and I know you can't get into particular people, but it's name has been out there for so long and he's kind of flirted with wanting to do it Hollis Milton over in West uh, West Feliciana I don't know what Hollis's intentions are about about doing this and I only bring his name up to ask is the best person for the job in your opinion homegrown homegrown being the region or or part of Louisiana knowing the culture or do you go along with the groups that always come out and say let's go get someone from somewhere else because if you're keeping score, two of the last three came from somewhere else, including Warren. Yeah. So the board will make that decision. Mm-hmm. And let me just share. I'm going to be frank with you because you know that's how I am. Yep. Um, I am not uh, uh, 
uh, supportive of a national search. And it's not about being homegrown. Mm -hmm. It's about the fact that I felt like the first two times that we went through that, uh, that we got the applications were from their stable, if you will. And they were sending us people that they had a relationship with. I'm not saying they did anything wrong, but they mm-hmm. sent us the best of what they had. And and look, uh, while Bernard Taylor, you know, Dr. Taylor was an incredible academic wizard, uh, he struggled in other areas, uh, working with the community and trying to find that sort of engagement and that, uh, you know, that attachment to the local community. Uh, and so we struggled with that. And uh, I didn't have a chance to work with uh, Dilworth that often, that, that long. But uh, when we brought Drake in, it was sort of a no-brainer. Actually, we were sort of shocked he wanted the job. And when right. he did, I mean, it was easy. And right? he won and, unanimously. Yeah, won unanimously, and he's that kind of guy. Um, he know, told me, I remember being in a meeting with him, and he said he thought he was going to, we laugh about this now, he thought he was going to win unanimously. And I always tell him I thought he had been out on a toot and came in before he was able <laughs> to sleep it off. Yeah. But he did just that. He, he, he really won did. unanimously, which was something that you have done a lot in, in recent times, has been able to be sure. unanimous on important issues, sure. whereas before, brother, it was going to be a fight uh, to do anything. Yeah, and, so, yeah so I was just going to say... Uh, I'm proud of this board because you take some things that were highly controversial, like our tax plan and some other things that have yeah. come up. And while there was a significant debate and mm-hmm. disagreement on it, in the end, everyone recognized what was best for children and yeah. their families. Yeah. And they came together and worked together to get things done. And I'm very proud of the board. Back to, to Warren. I mean, I don't know that there's another Warren Drake out there. So let's go to Hollis, right? I know Hollis personally. Yeah. I have a, gr- a great deal of respect for him. Uh, my wife had the, the privilege and pleasure to uh, work with him at Southeast Middle when he was a principal in our yeah, district. Yeah. I think he is a first-class guy. I think that's uh, recognized statewide. Mm-hmm. I think he served as uh, uh, the head of the Superintendents Association. Yeah. Uh, he's a very honest guy. He has good roots in uh, East Baton Rouge Parish. And clearly he is a pretty kind He's young. Of, yeah, and he's the kind of person that I think uh, would uh, be the kind of person that this board member would be looking uh, for. So the first hurdle is going to be, do we go out and do a national search? So there'll be debate about that. Mm-hmm. It is not something I'm supportive of, but if the board votes to do that, then that's what we'll do. Right. I will strongly encourage uh, people who have some uh, stake in our, our yep. district and yep. our community Skin to come up. And that's exactly yeah. right. I have not spoken with Hollis regarding his interest in this. I know he's doing a great job where he is. I also know that it's a big difference. It's a long drive from, uh, you know, West Feliciana to East Baton Rouge Parish. Mm-hmm. It's a different district. Yep. And uh, But I don't think that that means he couldn't do it. Yeah. I think he would have to recognize how difficult it is. And some of the same growing pains that I think Drake had when he first came in. Well, and, and a national search obviously doesn't mean that people from here can't apply. But I guess the question I would ask is, Shouldn't we have the kind of school system where you would hope to replace the top person from the talent within? Yeah. Or or in the area mm-hmm. well, that you are grooming men and women who are either principals who've been there for a while, who've, who've exhibited the skill set to manage and lead and encourage and all those things. I mean, I think we'd want to try to be a system that creates the talent that will run the district. Sure. Is that naive? No, I, I don't think it's naive. I, 
I kind of generally have a philosophy, though, that we're such a big district that I always like the model where someone maybe grows up in our district, goes out, gets some experience as the head person, guy or gal, and comes back because... You know, it's a big step moving sure. from a staff member. Oh, uh, yeah. It's kind of like going from being a member of Congress to being president. Right. It lays he- more heavily on right. you. And then that ability to work with board members, that ability to work with the community, uh, that sort of thing. I- I'll tell you, I think that the staff that Warren has right now is outstanding. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who have a, a really good skill sets. Uh, and, you know, maybe there's somebody in there right now that uh, would, uh, you know, we're going to depend on Warren to give us yeah. some, you know, because he works with them every day sure. on a daily basis. And if someone applies from within, we're clearly going to interview him. Uh, but it is going to be a big challenge. The, do you know, and I think I said this to you the other day, the single most important thing that we do is hire a superintendent. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me, if you had one job, that's it. That's it. Uh, there is a lot of things that we do with regard to setting policy, but that is the key hire and really the only hire. After that, uh, you're really dependent on that person. Because to go out and he's the it. only employee, that's really, right. that the, the board has and the but the, the the council is under contract with the district, but it's not technically an employee. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's under contract. They are full time with okay. us, but they but they are yeah. It is a contract. Yeah. So I, and you referenced it earlier, and I want to kind of get into this as as, as we close. And I, I think I can see mid mid school year us coming back and kind of talking about this more among these other issues. The 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 transportation the transportation lines the district lines the way we have kids catching the bus at six o'clock in the morning getting home at five five thirty in the evening that is almost a twelve hour day and they do it five days a week that in itself is something that I think you gotta look at and yeah. you were explaining to the group that I was in some things that actually I had not considered about what happens when you make those changes. Could you share some of that with yeah, us? Yeah, I just, you know, there was some discussion at the, the board meeting about the fact that, um, so attendance lines are basically um, using a demographic study that mm-hmm. we have to, to make sure that the attendance lines for each of the schools, where you live, what school you go to as your primary school, uh, are adequate and have represented the changes to the demographics of the district. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Uh, out in my area, uh, there are areas right now that could probably support its own high school uh, that didn't have houses uh, mm-hmm. eight years ago when I moved. I mean, yeah. when I uh, became on the board, I've been living where I live for about 20 years mm-hmm. now. Uh, so the reality of it is, is that those attendance lines are going to be, you know, highly controversial, right? Because if you're going to move a, a family. Uh, from a school that they've always gone gone to or they identify with, those are going to be really con- controversial. I, I really don't believe that there will be. I don't think you. I don't think you can ever do anything about those transfer sites. You can reduce them. Let's be clear, mm-hmm. right? The first way you reduce them is have high-performing schools everywhere in the district. That's well. going to be your best. That's going to be. Your That's best all. Year. Is that all you have to do? Yeah, is that? I, th- yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, you you've got kids. Not a very hard job there. Is no, it? no, not at all. It's very easy. We've been wor- we've been working on it for uh, a long time. Uh, but I but the the point is that you know kids have choice, yeah. and so families have choice. And if they want to go to a different, if they want to go to a magnet program in a different part of town, then they're going to have to do that or provide their own transportation. I told you all, and and I believe this, and I, I told you I wasn't a gambler, but you know I'd bet like a cup of coffee or. <laughs> 
or a dollar or <laughs> right, something right. just to make it fun. Right. I believe when we do attendance line changes, we're going to see uh, a, a slight increase in transportation costs because when you so I've spent some time with transportation. When Gary Reese took over, uh, he's a great guy. When Mr. Reese took over transportation, I spent some time. You know, I wanted to understand how it worked, right? 600 buses on the road every mm-hmm. morning, you know, transporting, you know, 30,000 kids yep. in the morning and then another 30,000 at night, yep. right? And so uh, how did it work? And, you know, the sophisticated software programs, the way we, uh, the, the drivers, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you sometimes you add one stop on a route, you add a whole new bus, yeah. right? Sometimes you take three people off or four people off or two stops off and you don't get rid of that bus at all. It's more complicated than I think sure. people realize. Some buses are running three routes in the morning. Most are running two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, a high school, a middle school, an elementary school. But the point is, is it's far more complicated than I think people realize. Um, if we're going to change transportation, we're going to change it by making all of our schools choice schools that, that they, they can, they're going to go to uh, and they're going to want to go to, mm-hmm. right? But if they, as long as kids want to go to Baton Rouge High and they want to go to Lehigh and they want to go to places like that or, uh, you know, Mayfair or what have you, and they don't necessarily live in that attendance zone uh, because it's a choice school, then mm-hmm. we're going to have those transportation issues. Is that going to come up this, the, when will that come up? Let I'm, me ask. I'm thinking late fall. I know that the staff Staff has been working on it. I became president again. This is my fourth year as president. I mm-hmm. became president for that for this term in January. Mm-hmm. We started working on it in February okay. with staff. It's more complicated. You know, it's it's it, we did a demographic study. We sure. have to look at capacities of schools. We have to work with CSRS to do an evaluation. Yeah. Are there schools we should be closing? Mm-hmm. Are there uh, because that that that's one way to save transportation costs is to have fewer sites that they deliver mm-hmm. to, right? Uh, but there, but a lot of that's going on right now, and they are, I think, relatively cl- close to sort of a draft plan of mm-hmm. what that would look like. And then remember, it would you know you would be looking at it for next year. You you have some changes that are going to come on next year. For example, we have the Jefferson Home Sites uh, right. project. Now that's a ways away, but that's going to change things because you're going to have middle school capacity there. Mm-hmm. So we have to be very sensitive to it. But if you want to if you want to know how badly we need this, go look at Tara High School's attendance zone. It's ridiculous. And so we've got to do a better job. You know, part of our strategic plan and part of what makes districts, particularly urban districts, successful is to have neighborhood schools. Yep. And and these attendance line changes, while they will be painful in some Mm -hmm. ways, will provide us better opportunities to create neighborhood schools that we can get that local buy-in and that local community. You know, if your kid uh, travels 10 miles uh, to a school, um, it's unlikely you're going to drive by that school and see people who are maybe doing harm to it or, Mm -hmm. you know, hanging out there when they shouldn't be. If you live three streets down, you're going to care about that school. You're going to love that school and you're going to be a part of that community. And that's what we have to work. And And we're hopeful that these attendance lines uh, uh, changes will be positive. I will tell you there is always controversy mm-hmm. uh, when you change attendance lines. As I think I told you, you know, probably, and I'm just gonna, I'm guessing, but maybe only 20, 25% of people will be impacted by yeah. those changes. But yeah. those 25%, it will impact them heavily. And so therefore, they will have a lot to say. And it's heavily important. meaning meaning that they'll be forced to change schools. Mm. They'll be changed. You know, no one likes change, right? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, except maybe Des Moines. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no one likes. I got to take my shots at him. Uh, the, he won't uh, be having much change in his pocket now. No, He'll have no. the big bills. That's right. Uh, but no one likes change. But you know, getting you know, let's say you have someone who lives in a particular area. Their family has gone to that school for many years, maybe yeah. decades, yeah. and then now because of the shift in demographics, you're sending them to a different school. They have different friends that are going there. They have different associations. Mm-hmm. The parents don't know each other. Mm-hmm. They're not going to want to make that change. Yeah. And, and we want to hear what they have to say. So when that comes up this fall, let's 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 talk about that. Sure, absolutely. And um, and be let's let's take people through the process because I think we can do a little bit more of that even with these because people people listen to this is give them a chance to long form here. Okay, first here is what the issue is. Here is how it works. Here is how it will impact you. And we can take our time, take as much time as we want. But when that comes up, I would like to be able to have the discussion about what it means to people. Okay. And I think we can. Okay. Man, if you had to, uh, if you had to sum up, and I'll, this is my last question, at least on this one, if you had to sum up in a phrase or a word what you think the end of the school year will prove, what would it prove? What will it prove? Uh, the end of this current yeah, school this, year? Yeah, that just started. Um, you know, um, unfortunately, the way the the uh, system works. We don't know what we prove until October when the grades come out, right? Uh, when the scores come out. I think what what I hope we prove is that the changes that were made in leadership in those schools are uh, fruitful, uh, that, that, that families feel uh, like they're more engaged in this process and those communities in, in, in terms of those new leaders, mm-hmm. uh, that we work collab, that this new board because uh, remember, we'll all be sworn in in January, works collaboratively, yeah. uh, civilly, and diplomatically to uh, work together for what is most important. It's not contracts. Mm-hmm. It's children. Uh, it's their families, and it's making this community a better place to be. Man, I appreciate you coming through again. Thank you. It's no always problem. fun. Look, a second time on Saturday Night Live. So I'm that's, that's, it, that's right. <laughs> and, you know, Rutledge is going to fire back at you yes. about those shots you took He at sure him. will. <laughs> David Tapman, president of the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. This is Jeff LaDuff, retired chief of police for the city of Baton Rouge. I'm Kelly LaDuff, co-owner of Open Eyes Safety Training and Consulting. Open Eyes is focused on providing quality safety solutions that give businesses and employees the skill set needed to recognize and react to dangerous situations. On a daily basis, we hear yet another story of workplace violence or active shooter. Open Eyes offers a unique approach to keeping you and your businesses safe through site analysis, technology recommendations, policy review, and employee training. To set up a consultation for your business, call us today at 225-313-9713 or visit us at our website at openeyesafetytraining.com. We say keep open eyes because 10% of our population cause 90% of our problems. See them before they see you. You know, this week has been interesting anyway because last weekend as we record this, The college football season got started. The Jaguars played TCU and got trounced, but it's all good. 
I still ride with you, blue and gold. And LSU shocked the world, beating Miami. Listen, if there is anybody out there who says they saw that coming, chances are they're probably lying. I had Matt Moscona on here last week, and you remember Matt saying he felt like it was going to be an eked-out game. Maybe close LSU would win close, not go in and dominate Miami for basically three and a half quarters of the game. Might have a quarterback there in Death Valley, so we'll see how this season plays out. The NFL season's about to kick off, and it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top at the end of the year. I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting back to football. Thank you to David Tatman, who was our guest today. Man, so much in that good discussion. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And there's a little bit more of it, a little bit of a different perspective, as our guest on episode 175 is Lamar Gorey of Caddo Parish. So thank you for being with us. And we will catch you next time on The Clay Young Show. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.